Hello, fellow kids, and welcome to episode 44 of Hello, Fellow Kids. This month, we read Winter House by Ben Gooderson. Other, otherwise known as uh, the Kroger brand uh, Green Glass House. <laughs> Can we please get a moment of silence for my copy of Winter House, which got absolutely devastated by the rainstorm that I did not realize my backpack would not protect it from at all. Yeah, Josh showed pictures of what happened to it, and you should put that on our Instagram so people can so people can see so what it looks like. And it, he's yeah, he sent it to the group chat, and everyone went, "No!" <laughs> so I was worried you'd think my, uh, my gif that I shared was uh, facetious. It's this very devastated baby. That has to look away, but then looks back and re-traumatizes itself by whatever it's looking at. But it's one of my favorites. Crying gifs. Yeah, because I, so not only is it like super crazy wrinkly and swollen, but I also, I take notes in the margins and all of the notes are just runny and the color is just smeared all across the pages. So it will take me some time to decipher what I have noted. But yeah, it's a, it's a real bummer. Since yours was an autographed one. Yeah, I was already a little hesitant to to like write in it with the signature. But I was like, it's okay because I'll I'll it'll just be a really cool like like souvenir. I'll just be careful around the autograph and then dump a bucket of water on it. I guess. Yeah, it's been rainy everywhere, but it's been rainy here. Yeah. Um, speaking uh, of it- here, uh, Ben Gooderson uh, lives in our broad region. It says. That he he lives near Seattle in the foothills of the Cascade Mountains. It could be anywhere. They really could. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a Seattle in every state, just like Springfield. I meant. I know. I mean, there's a lot of town. You are so literal and so mean. I quit the <laughs> podcast. I was just gonna say that my old college town flooded pretty badly. Oh yeah, my my dad works out there, and he sent some pictures that were like just down the road from him. And I'm glad he has an inflatable kayak in the back of his car. Yeah. So, what did you think of the book overall? You know, um, I gotta say, I'm I'm disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to like it more than I did. I I feel like that could be like the theme song for this podcast. If we came up with lyrics to the really bitchin' cool music that's at the beginning, it'd be like, <laughs> I wanted to like this more than I actually did. <laughs> I think I wanted to read this because the blurb reminded me of Green Glass House, and I think this really doesn't really do well to that comparison because Green Glass House is like, Chef's Kiss, perfect book. Yeah. And um, I would by no means say this was terrible, but I don't know. I just didn't think it was that good. And um, the problems I had with it, like the main protagonist is really bookish, and she keeps name dropping other books. And it's like, oh man, stop, stop doing that because you're making me want to read those other books more than <laughs> like reading this. It's like hurting by the comparison, you know, by by bringing up better books yeah. like the um, Mysterious Benedict Society and, uh, you know, everything. <laughs> I, would def- I wouldn't say this was terrible. I would definitely say this is not my favorite book in the like the subgenre of like kids solve like mysteries in a in a slightly foreign locale. Um, but it's a, it's a subgenre that I just enjoy overall and I haven't read one in a while. So it's like, yeah, it's not a bummer of a read. It's just like, it's, it's not the best in the, in the group. I probably would have liked it just fine if I wasn't taking notes for it and really having to like, all right, let's dig deep in here and get get going. Cause when you do that, you're just like, oh, well I hit bottom pretty quick. So there wasn't a whole lot here. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I feel like this is a book that suffers by I came up with a cool concept, but then I don't really have a plot that really holds up to the cool concept of this hotel. Uh-huh. You know, I feel like the hotel was the idea. And then the story is just like, oh, OK, yeah, there still needs to be a story. Yeah. 
Because Winter House itself is pretty cool. I de- I want to go. Yeah, it's it's like super I cool. I full on want to go. Yeah, it's a really cool place. I there, think... there were just some choices made I didn't care for. I've ju- I think I have just now found uh, <laughs> an apt metaphor for the thinking of the idea and then not really having much of a as much of a story to go with it, which is that the inside cover of the book is a map, but the map only has two named locations. <laughs> it's oh, the no, lake yeah. and the house next to the lake. <laughs> and it's like, yep, it sure is there. Why did we need this? <laughs> I, I know how to picture a large building next to water. <laughs> well, and I don't even think the building is that accurate because there's it sh- clearly shows two stories. It's supposed or to be three, I guess, 12. Yeah, there's a 13th floor. Yeah. There's a 13th, that's the uh, lookout or whatever. Oh, right. There yeah, is, so yeah like, there is a Miss Zarves. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's just like, it's not even accurate. <laughs> <laughs> the illustrations Which, are nice, though, even if they're not 100% text accurate. If if you want to know what I looked like when I was in middle school, this drawing of Elizabeth is exactly what I looked like. <laughs> <laughs> I wore my hair like that. My my hair was parted down the middle like that with like the grown out bangs. I had the glasses and the thick eyebrows. That was that was me. And you were always sure. carrying a book. Pretty much, yeah. So was I. So the book. Um, I texted yeah. you about the importance of the opening quote. Did you look into that at all? About a pretend book? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. Okay. So, please enjoy my TED Talk. So, the opening quote is, uh, In the walled city of uh, Seraph Kala, there is a reference to a book that doesn't exist. It is an imaginary book, one the author contemplated writing before deciding, rather, to to mention only in passing. A summary, a commentary. From A General History of Labyrinths by Silas Haslam. So, The Walled City of Seraph Kala the book that is referenced in the quote, is not a real story. A General History of Labyrinths is not a real book, and Silas Haslam is not a real person. All of this is entirely fake. It is from a, like, meta-textual story from, like, the the late 1800s or the early 1900s, and this this whole thing is part of, like, a long-standing literary tradition of referencing this world and this story that doesn't exist and treating it as if it's real to the point where it has been referenced in actual, like, uh, scientific journals as a resource, even though it's not a real book. Oh, no. It's so cool. I was just like, I was just like, the levels, the meta. So it's just a... It's inside. It's like this inside joke amongst literary types. Yeah. It's a story within a story within a story. Yeah, that's the kind of thing we like. I just thought that was so interesting when I, because I, I first looked it up, and I was like, the general history of labyrinths looks interesting. So I Googled it, and I was like, why am I not finding anything? And I found this reference to somebody else, and then started explaining that it's all fake on, like, like multi-layers deep. And I'm like, oh my god, okay. Okay. <laughs> that's all. Thank you for coming. All right. I'm going to leave the TED Talk now. <laughs> I have to, I'm, I'm late for mine. <laughs> I'm giving a presentation. I'm giving a presentation on Winter House. Okay. <laughs> you know they're only supposed to be like 10, 15 minutes, right? Ted said I could talk more. <laughs> Everyone's like, Thank you for coming to my Ted Ramble. <laughs> um, Should we just get going? Yeah, let's get going. Okay. So um, I did these, I split this up into some chunks. So um, we meet our protagonist, Elizabeth Summers, when she comes home from school to find that her aunt and uncle's house is locked up uh, in the grand literary tradition of uh, children's books, uh, Elizabeth is an orphan. <laughs> so that's why she lives with her aunt and uncle. Um, they've left a note and bus ticket for her. Uh, she's got a paid trip to a place called Winter House while her aunt Purdy and uncle Burlap are vacationing <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> Sorry, names, Uncle like, Burlap never stopped being funny for me. <laughs> I know, I was just like, that can't be his name. Um, uh, Aunt Purdy has packed a plastic grocery sack for Elizabeth, which amounts to like three days of clothes. And they also gave her like $3 for the trip, which I don't even think would get you a sandwich. Like maybe a right? soda, but I, you're not yeah. 
when that first happened, yeah. I was like, I was like, okay, so what's the time period for this? And then she started referencing books that were published within the last like fifteen years. I was like, okay, so it really is just no money. She says herself like, you know, she's looking at it, is like, oh my, this is bad even for you guys. You know, <laughs> at the moment, um, like a ten dollar bill probably would have been better. You'd buy a meal with that. But even still, that's still not great. Anyway, but back to my notes, right? Uh, it says, um, I guess letting the 11-year-old pack for herself and then driving her to this place is too much for these people. Elizabeth doesn't seem too surprised by this, as she doesn't have the best relationship with uh, her aunt and uncle, despite them having raised her since she was four. You'd think they'd have bonded at some point during that time, you know? Yeah. Because if they'd gotten her right at 11, I could see being like, oh, God, having to deal with an almost teenager, like, that's the most awful time for a kid and the most awful time for everyone else to be around them. So <laughs> I could see that. But you're getting, like, a cute four-year-old. So just bond with them. You don't have to do much. Buy them a teddy bear and be all like, you're a good girl, and then they'll like you, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not hard. These people couldn't even do the bare minimum. Or I guess they do the bare minimum, but they resent doing it. Uh, they treat her as a burden, and they make snide comments about Elizabeth's dead mother. And um, Elizabeth sort of remembers her parents, but she doesn't remember exactly how they died. Uh, Purdy insists that it was a 4th of July mishap, but Elizabeth doesn't really believe that. She's like, that doesn't really gel with... Okay, whatever. All she has of her mother is a pendant in the shape of a circle... And it's uh, and etched into it is the word faith. So anyway, uh, Elizabeth takes a long, boring bus trip uh, where a rude woman gives her unhelpful crossword tips and a couple in black glares at her all creepily. They're like Morticia and Gomez Adams if they were assholes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they really were. I was just like, what, what are you doing right now? Um, at around 10 at night, the bus arrives at Winter House. It's this uh, big, fancy, multi-story hotel with a big iced-over lake, and it's got a ski lift. It just looks, it, it sounds really cool. I would like to go there. Elizabeth meets a bellhop named Jackson, who checks her in and says she's in room 214. Uh, he doesn't know who footed her bill when she asks, because uh, she's curious, and the guest register just says that she's paid in full. Morticia and Gomez are having a problem with their room, and they're shouting that they need two rooms, one for them and one for their box of books which looks more like a coffin um jackson dips out of the convo to deal with the adamses when the owner of winter house norbridge falls talks to elizabeth and i thought that was weird i was just like shouldn't the owner go deal with like the people who are upset about a room problem rather mm -hmm. than a another bellhop mm -hmm. but um anyway so uh, he's straight out of central casting for eccentric, whimsical adult in a children's novel. So I, <laughs> so I immediately find him irritating. They watch two old men guests put together a 3,000-piece puzzle, which has taken them two years so far. And uh, while watching this, Elizabeth gets a magical feeling and immediately knows to grab a particular piece and fits it into place. Uh, the old men fawn over her, and then uh, Norbridge goes to take her to her room, making lots of annoying detours to show her the weird objects on display, like the pair of pants worn by an Antarctic explorer. I was like, okay, does this come back later? And they're like, it doesn't. I'm like, cool, thanks. Anyway, he takes her to the candy kitchen and has her sample a candy called Flirtion. It's made of walnuts, apricots, and powdered sugar, mainly, and when Elizabeth samples it, she realizes that she's had it before, but she just doesn't know uh, where or when, especially since her aunt and uncle don't really give her candy. So this is a rare treat. Anyway, um, this place also has a library, uh, but it's closed at night. It's not too far from where Elizabeth's room is, so when Norbridge is called away because of a problem in the library, he doesn't have far to go. Later, Elizabeth leaves her room to explore this library, since, uh, as I said, she's a bookish child protagonist. Um, but she sees Norbridge searching through the books in the dark, and she retreats, because that's weird. Um, she's not the only one interested in late-night library shenanigans. The Adamses show up as well, and they're shooed away by an employee. But they do manage to notice Elizabeth peeking through her cracked open door, because of course they do. In the morning, Elizabeth goes to breakfast, and she meets a kid about her own age. His name's Freddie. He's also a solo kid. Uh, and, he, 
or a free range child. I think I've heard referred to <laughs> kids that are out on their own. Uh, and he's into puzzles like Elizabeth is. So they bond right away. Um, Freddie's been ditched at the hotel around this time of year for several years now. And Norbridge always has a project for him. This year, Freddie's figure, figuring out a way to turn all the walnut shells that the candy kitchen uses, uh, take all the walnut shells from there to try and turn it into fuel. As they eat, Freddie offers to show Elizabeth around and tells her the library here is like nothing she's ever seen before. Okay. When it first mentioned that she was really into puzzles, I made a note that I hoped that that actually came into play and that she actually was, because was it, it was the... Was it Rhea in the Blood of the Nectar, where it mentioned that she was, like, really good at, like, solving problems or something, and then she... And then, no, she wasn't? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I sure hope that she's good at puzzles this time, and, like, she actually, she's pretty alright this time. No, there's seriously, like, a so. lot, like, they, they do work on puzzles. It's yeah. definitely a thing. Um, every single chapter has a word ladder that's really good. Yeah. That actually pertains to, like, the chapter at hand, so I was just like, oh... Uh, here's an idea of what's going to happen if I look at this bottom, you know, yeah, the last word in the word ladder. I mean, it's it's obvious, but I do like uh, like when she's on the on the bus and she's watching the family and she just kind of wishes, obviously, that she had a relationship like that and stuff. Uh, there are a couple of points where she like it reiterates the fact that like that's that's what she wants more than anything. No, honestly, we don't really see that too often with how many books we've read that have orphan protagonists. So it was kind of like refreshing. Like, yeah, you would feel sad about that. Yeah, I'm glad you're seeing that instead of like, yeah, my parents are dead. Whatevs. Let's go on an adventure. You know? Yeah, Let's see all these books go. So yeah, she kind of sits with that for a bit, just like you know, I wish I'd thought to sit closer to them. So then these creepy people looking at me would make. I was just like, there was never, there was not another adult on the bus noticing that. Because, like, if I saw a little girl on the bus, unattended like that, and those people, like, looking at her all predatory and gross, I'd be like, sweetie, do you want to come sit with me? I've I've got a bag of chips. Do you want to share some chips? And, you know, then she could eat for the day. Yeah. She only had $3. Yeah. Because I I wouldn't have been okay seeing that. (sighs) Whatever. I really enjoyed the um, the whole atmosphere of the house, not just like, oh, it has a library and this and that, but like the idea of like people that come every year and they work on the puzzle together and everybody else like respects the, their project and um, just the little things like that of like, it's, uh, it's just its own sort of place. And I liked that. And I thought, I, I think, I think you're right that like the, his baby, as far as the story goes, is constructing setting. the uh, yeah the setting and the the, the feel of it that, which no complaints there yeah. a, he set out to do that and he did it perfectly i yeah. feel like this is a real place and i want to go there yeah he also did a reasonable job of having elizabeth like question things and not treating the reader like they're too dumb to realize that some things aren't how they appear. Like in this, in the same paragraph where she tells Norbridge that it's supposedly a fireworks accident. And I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm sure that's how it happened. And then like two sentences later, she's like, I'm pretty sure it wasn't that. Um, I was like, okay, cool. Glad we're not like, it, that's not going to be a crazy revelation that our parents didn't die from a freak firework accident. Yeah, yeah. She's like, that doesn't sound right, but... I don't know enough to dispute it. <laughs> this is where she's at. Oh, and she keep she keeps all these lists of different things, like um, top ten most amazing days of my life, or books that I should read someday, and things like that. Yeah, I keep random lists too. So I was just like, that's relatable. Okay. Yeah, I, I like I like Elizabeth. <laughs> I think I think good bonus content, uh, like for the back of this book or one of the other ones, should be like. Uh, her list samples of the that'd lists be, yeah that'd be cute i like that because then you can also use it to like recommend books to you know other kids and things like that like and I was, fellow kids yeah fellow kids um fellow I read, kids are different kids <laughs> i read a graphic novel last week and at the very end it had like a playlists for each chapter um yeah so that that sort of thing is always fun it's pretty cute. okay go ahead all right. 
So uh, Elizabeth goes to visit the library, and uh, she meets the librarian, Leona Springer, and she has a birdie named Miles. Leona and Elizabeth hit it off immediately since they both love books and uh, this library specifically, which looks like the one in Beauty and the Beast. Suddenly, Miles starts yelling trouble, and Norbridge Falls shows up specifically to ask Elizabeth for a favor. Um, he asks her to check in with either him or Jackson twice a day, and Elizabeth agrees, but she finds it sus. Like, I don't. She's an unattended child in this hotel. <laughs> he has he has valid reason to be concerned. He takes off, and uh, library patrons with questions show up, so um, Elizabeth wanders the library by herself while Leona's occupied. She ends up in the reference section, and she starts exploring through the shelves, and way, way back behind the books, she finds a jacketless book called a Guide for Children, Games, Secrets, Pastimes, and More by Riley Sweth Granger. Um, it seems mostly silly, but Elizabeth's kind of charmed by it. But it's a reference book, and it's it can't be checked out. So what's this little rebel do? She stuffs it in her backpack and takes off for lunch. Elizabeth! <laughs> <laughs> and now she's a criminal. Great. That's making me think of in Home Alone when he's like asking the question about the toothbrush in the store and the scary old man shows up and he gets all panicky and backs up and they're like, "Hon, you need to pay for your toothbrush here. And he takes off out the door with it and he doesn't mean to steal it, but he's just, he was just so freaked out. He forgot he was holding a toothbrush. Did you ever see Home Alone? I've never seen Home Alone. Well, oh, you need to go watch Home Alone. <laughs> <You'll> <laughs> like it. We'll pause the recording. I'll wait, or I'll watch it with you, like, on my TV. Just do, like, a okay. countdown for when we start it. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, we need to line it up like people line up watching uh, Wizard of Oz with listening to that, like, Led Zeppelin album. <laughs> wait, was it Led Zeppelin or Pink no, Floyd? No, it's uh, Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd. Okay, that's what I thought. I was like, Led Zeppelin doesn't sound right. Okay, uh, back to the book. Elizabeth uh, asks Freddie if he's required to check in with Norbridge, and he's like, um, no. And he doesn't really think Norbridge's request is that big of an ask either. So um, Elizabeth tells him about seeing Norbridge rooting through the books at night, and he's not too bothered by that as well. <laughs> I felt pretty early on that Freddy's kind of a dud friend. I'm like, he's a nice <laughs> enough kid, but I'm like, this kid's such a dud. He's not the one you want on an adventure. Like, Elizabeth went here, and she needs the cast of Stranger Things right. for friends. Because that's I, yeah. who she needs. But also describing that he's just kind of like, okay, so... Um, reminds me yeah. of, I've been playing, uh, I've been getting back into playing D&D online with a group, and, um, you know, it'll do a thing where it's like, you come into a, an inn, and then it starts describing all the people, and everybody else is like, oh, I go, I go follow this person, because they seem sneaky, or whatever, and I do this, and I do that, and I'm just like, I'm sorry, are these people not allowed to have personal lives? I'm just gonna eat and go to bed. <laughs> like... <laughs> Why should I be worried about them? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the kids have uh, word ladder competitions because they're really into that. And they play outside. Um, Elizabeth inexplicably has a full wardrobe of clothes now. And she thinks Norbridge provided them. She's not weirded out by this, but I am. She has no luggage. How is she getting it all home? Once they get tired out, they chat about the falls family tree that's displayed over the dining room door. Um, Elizabeth is interested in how many falls women have lived to be exactly 100 years old, because it's like almost all of them. Freddie suggests they check out the portrait gallery if she wants to learn more about the family. Um, they make plans to meet up after they change out of their like wet playing outside clothes, mm -hmm. and unfortunately Elizabeth gets cornered in the hall by Gomez Adams, who turns out to be Marcus Q. Himes. Um, I think my name was better, but anyway, Marcus <laughs> Q. Himes. I think yours is taken, rare... though. Yeah, it's true. But if you see the drawings, <laughs> they look like them. <laughs> uh, so Marcus Q. Himes is a rare book dealer, and he foists his card on this clearly uninterested and skeeved out child while babbling that Norbridge is a book thief hiding out at this hotel. Like, what the fuck is she supposed to do with this information? And what do you mean hiding out? You mean staying at the hotel he openly owns and runs, which has been in his family for years? Fuck all the way off, dude. 
Luckily, when Elizabeth tells Freddy about this, he doesn't minimize it, and he agrees they need to tell Norbridge about it. Even if the dude's claims are bogus, he made Elizabeth uncomfortable, and that's what matters. So Freddy kept, kept getting points and then getting points dinged off, like, all through this book with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, while do- walking down a hallway, Elizabeth gets her magic feeling and stops walking. Freddy's like, what's up? And a glass light shade falls from up above and shatters where Elizabeth would have been standing. Uh, this happens right at the door of the room where Norbridge's sister used to stay. Um, the kids tell Bellhop about the glass mess, and then they go on to the portrait room. I like that they did that. Right? It's just they're really nice kids. It's like, we should let someone know about this. Where I'd be like, don't tell anyone, because they'll think we were screwing around under it and broke it. I bet when they go to bookstores and they pick out books and then they decide they don't want them anymore, they bring them up to the counter and say, can you put these back where they go? I can't remember where I put, took this out. Can you put it back? And I'd be like, you are a beautiful child. I love you. <laughs> and they're like, that lady was creepy. Okay. So they go on to the portrait gallery and they admire all the pretty drawings. But there's a few that catch Elizabeth's attention in particular. One is Grisella Falls, who is uh, Norbridge's twin sister, and who looks nowhere near as friendly as him. Freddie tells Elizabeth that Grisella was rumored to have gotten into black magic, and there's even a Bloody Mary rumor about her. <laughs> if you stand in the library at, at, like, I think it was midnight and say her name three times, she returns and I guess eats your face. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> another portrait is of Winnie Falls, Norbridge's daughter, who died in 2009 and actually is two years older than me. And that made me depressed. So I'm like, I I could be the mother of a child protagonist. Okay, but most important of all to these nerds is the portrait of Nestor Falls, who's holding a book open in his lap. Uh, the pages are gobbledygook that the kids think is a secret coded message. Well, I was at first I was like, how do you know that's not just Lorem Ipsum? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Which she, she would maybe know about Lorem Ipsum, possibly if she's that big of a book nerd. Right. All right, then uh, Jackson shuts the lights out on them and tells them to go to dinner. That sounds harsher than it's meant. <laughs> Things are not, get out of here. No, he shut them off because he didn't know anyone was in there. And they're like, oh, occupied. And he's like, oh, sorry. You don't want to be late for dinner. Burp, burp, burp. Okay. Um, during dessert, Norbridge performs a puppet show telling the story of an evil witch who tricks her way into a family's house. But the little girl suspects the witch from the start. And before the witch can murder the family, the little girl breaks the spell, keeping her family asleep, and the witch is defeated. At the end of the story, Norbridge tosses the puppets in the air, and they turn into a raven and a dove, respectively. Cool story, but the kids aren't able to get him alone at the end to report. <laughs> no, I forgot I did this. I couldn't remember uh, Gomez Adams' real name, so I put Mr. Queef. <laughs> Okay, the kids can't get him alone at the end to report Mr. Himes's creepy behavior. <laughs> you didn't go with, like, Mr. Ketchup? I thought about it, but I liked Queef. <laughs> <laughs> um, that night, Elizabeth hears commotion in the library, and she goes to investigate. Uh, Norbridge and Leona keep searching the shelves while Norbridge mentions that he doesn't trust Elizabeth or, you know, thinks she's sus. And I say, WTF, you're the one rooting in her room and taking it upon yourself to buy this strange child clothes. Who should be trusting who exactly? Anyway, Elizabeth keeps making the floor creak. Norbridge is paranoid, so Leona has to talk him down every time he freaks. She leads him away out of earshot while Norbridge is still talking about Elizabeth. Hey, Norbridge, say it to my face. Okay, that's that section. Okay, let's start with the the family tree. I immediately started circling parts of it and being like, something's up here, and here, and here. I mean, obviously the whole, like, having the the daughter who died suspiciously around the time that Elizabeth's mother probably also died. I was like, mm-hmm. And then the twins, it's like, mm-hmm. And then the other thing is the fact that there is one other, like, branch that seems like it's still active, and I was like, okay, I wonder if that has anything to do with it. But the other stuff in here, which is fun, is some of the uh, little, um, little like, eulogy lines. First of all, there's Clarice Liddell Falls, which I assume is an Alice in Wonderland reference. Um, yeah, kind of, yeah. 
And then there's also Eugene and Ernest Falls, which say, the mountain took him, and then the mountain took him, too. (laughs) 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 I had a lot of fun with the uh, uh, word ladders. I immediately tried to do the nuts into fuel one in fewer steps. Uh, I got one for five steps. Sucks to suck. Yeah. I'm not smarter than a fifth grader. Who is, really? I would have thought sixth graders, but I think you I think you peak at uh you peak at age eleven. I think that's true, actually. I think I did. Uh did you immediately like flip his uh business card upside down to realize that his signature was something else? No. Oh, I did. I I, so you're I know all that... like I got it. <laughs> well I, I know all of the uh I know the like basic moves for that sort of thing, which is did you try upside down? Did you try reading it backwards? So I always do that whenever I see like odd-looking words and names and things like that. It, I, I. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, "What? What is this backwards?" I'm like, "No, nothing." Okay, I, but I didn't like think to tip the book to like, "What's what's going on with his signature?" Yeah. Um, I was just like, "Okay." <laughs> I was just so put off by his behavior that I didn't really. Yeah. Look at the card, which maybe is what the author was kind of hoping we'd do. Right. For the most part, but there would be, like, the intrepid child who'd be all like, If I turn it this way, you see what this is? Yeah, see? Yeah. I don't think that's what children sound like. I'm pretty sure that's what they sound like. They're all like, listen you, see? What if that became the next big trend for children to talk like gangsters in 1930s films? <laughs> I mean, why not? We're coming up on it. I think, yeah, so, like that could be the next thing. Bring the '30s back for the '30s. So where do where do you like where do you end on Freddy? Do you does he get a pass or are you like, nah, let's swap him out? I think they need to swap. Him. I really think he's a dead friend. We can get more into it later, but yeah. like they like they're both nice enough kids, but I just don't think they gel particularly well. Yeah. But they're just so excited to, like, have a friend their age because they've both of them have yeah. never had that before. So they're just like, well, I'll make do with this person. Yeah. Even if even if they have things about them that irritate me. Well, no. I mean, that's that's kind of an interesting dynamic because usually you do end up with the, like, the, the ride or die sort of, uh, you know, Goonies gang sort of thing. And to have somebody that's like... I don't know about this. Can I, I, I really already had a plan before I met you. Like my life doesn't revolve around your adventure. Um, yeah. Like that's more realistic. Yeah. It's, it's at least probably why I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not as fanciful. Right. Are we ready to move on? Sure. So while looking through the children's book, she's pilfered. Elizabeth discovers a code called the, do you know how to pronounce this word? Absolutely not. Fuck. Okay. The Vigneri cipher. I'm sorry. It, I think it's French, and I I think I've said on this podcast before. I don't do French. Uh, the French don't even do French. What are they doing then? You're like cursive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just speaking cursive. It's just a whole bunch of vowel sounds. Like they don't pronounce any of their consonants. It's just it's such so rough. It's like that one guy that that we like his little videos where he's like, I would like one croissant. I'm sorry, what? Okay. Anyway, so the the piano guy. Yeah, I completely forget his name, but I he ended up on on my TikTok, and I was like, "Hey, look, it's him. Yeah, I like he's, him." He's the guy that's not starring in Dune, but I keep seeing the guy starring in Dune and think that it's him. Yeah, they both have that wild curly hair. The wild curly hair and the like well defined like jaw. Yeah, but I think the Dune guy has more cheekbones. He's got more cheekbone action yeah. going on. Yeah. Ain't familiar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, anyway, with the Vigneri cipher, you decide on a keyword, and then you match a letter in your keyword with the first letter of your coded message, and uh, where those two letters overlap in the grid, that's where you get your coded letter your coded letter yeah and um, it's it's like it's not a straight it's not a straight like one for one replacement because you basically right. loop your word along the line so yeah uh, like in the example the the word is hotel 
So every time you circle back around to an H, it actually stands for a different letter, so that you can't just yeah. do, like, a, a straight cipher. That's why it's really hard to decode. Yeah. Um, the example in the book uh, is... The keyword is hotel, and the message is, look at the beautiful picture. So, um, while boggling at this coincidence, because, uh, you know, the, there's a code in that picture, so she's like, does it mean something? Yes, it does. Elizabeth goes to close the book, but she notices a big glittery T on the title page, and it wasn't there before. What could it all mean? So, um, Elizabeth shows, shares the code with Freddie and tells him all about stealing the book and the mysterious goings on of Norbridge in the library late at night and the weirdo Himes couple. Uh, Freddie is not having any of this and is not stoked about mysteries. In fact, he's pretty hung up on Elizabeth stealing a book. Freddie is a stick in the mud. Uh, he, <laughs> he loosens up when she promises to return it and they decide to do one of the activities in the book. Make a scavenger hunt for each other. See, if I was Elizabeth and, like, I told him all about this and he wasn't interested, I would have stopped hanging out with him right here because I'd be like, okay, he doesn't really like the things I like and he has his own stuff going on, so I'm just going to be by myself for this trip. Because <laughs> we've discussed before on this podcast where if I sense any pullback from the other person, I'm like, whatever, fine, and I'd, like, drop it and just leave them. Mm-hmm. So I've walked out of so many friendships for them being, like, not interested in, like, what we were mutually interested in before and just being like, okay, well, I guess that's it for us then. We don't have anything else in common. So toodaloo. So, okay, the scavenger hunt. Um, they scout locations first, and Freddy shows Elizabeth his workroom. Um, he expresses a desire to live at Winter House year-round since his parents don't like him or his inventions. Elizabeth guilts him by saying at least he has parents, but, like, if the parents suck, he's allowed to be upset about it, Elizabeth. Shut up. So, see, I kind of bounced back and forth with these two kids where I'm like, no, nah, I'm on Freddy's side, and they're like, no, nah, I'm on Elizabeth's right. side. So I think that's a good sign that they're well-written characters, that they're not always, like, this is, beat yeah, for beat the same. Yeah, it's not just, a, like, a, you don't have, like, a goofus and gallant situation where one's always right. Exactly. Or, you know, a Hermione Granger. Okay, so then they go off on their scavenger hunts, and it's fun until Elizabeth nearly meets up with the Himes couple in the portrait gallery. They talk to the painting of Grisella, and they speak cryptically of the girl. She wants to run before they can find her, but her magic feeling tells her to stay put. Um, a painting falls off the wall, and Elizabeth uses this as a distraction to get away. Elizabeth tells Freddie all about what she witnessed and twists his arm into coming to her room so they can spy and follow Norbridge into the library. That night, while they wait, they try to guess Nestor Falls' keyword, but have no luck. Elizabeth notices the title page now says TH and shows Freddy, but he can't see it. Uh, the kids head to the library, and they're intercepted by Mrs. Himes, named Selena. She's all weird and shit and has the nerve to say that Norbridge is weird and untrustworthy <laughs> when... She's the one who's, like, all up in here confronting children. <laughs> She's not even staying on this floor, so what a freak. Um, she spots Elizabeth's necklace and acts like she's going to take it when Norbridge's creepometer must have gone off, and he goes to, and he comes out to see what's up. He, uh, he sends Morticia on her way and brings the kids into the library. Um, immediately, Elizabeth fe uh, fesses up to everything except stealing the book, Norbridge tells them that he's looking for a book that's important to his family, that it has special writing that only a member of his family can read. It's magical, and if it falls into the wrong hands, Winterhouse could be in grave danger. Um, it's a hotel. Do lives really hang in the balance? Um, when it seems like things are wrapping up, Elizabeth gets her feeling, and I put the trademark symbol above feeling, <laughs> <laughs> and the snow globe in the next room shatters. Norbridge is baffled how it happened, but Elizabeth wonders, why is this stuff keeps happening around her? Uh, the kids head off to bed, and they confer with each other. Elizabeth totally has the magic book, but Elizabeth doesn't want to hand it over because reasons? I also liked that there was, like, no debate about it. They're like, so obviously that book you have is the book. And they're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah, hundredly. No, like, like, Freddie is not like, what are the odds? There's, like, 7,000 books in this particular library, so what are the odds that you would have that book, you know? He doesn't do that, which I appreciate. Um, Freddy asks to look at Heim's card, and from another angle, it looks like it says Sweth. 
like the book's uh, author, Riley Sweth Granger. Freddie's like, yeah, whatever, just return the book and we'll focus on Nestor's code. He makes it very clear, like, I don't care about mysteries, I care about codes. <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> um, well, Freddie sucks, so Elizabeth's on her own for this investigation. The book keeps showing more letters, and Elizabeth thinks her feeling may be telekinesis and starts trying to make stuff move with the power of her mind. Uh, she goes to help the old men with their puzzle, and she finds out that one of the wives of the old men has been coming up to the winter house since she was a child. Uh, she remembers Grisella, who sucked and vowed to one day destroy Winterhouse. Jesus, kid, just smoke pot and get a tattoo. <laughs> Don't want to rebel and be mad at your family. It's like, yeah, just grow weed in your in your yard or something. But anyway, that's it for that section. How far do you think you would have gotten in the uh, scavenger hunt with all of the riddles? I would have not wanted to play this in the first place. I would have been told there was a scavenger hunt and said no. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what happened. You would have been looking through that book excitedly and said, hey, a scavenger hunt. And I would have thought it was this kind of scavenger hunt where you're like, find a red spoon. And then you like go around and try. To... That's how I know scavenger hunts to be. Oh, this yeah. Shit with riddles and finding clues and stuff like that's not ever how I've done a scavenger <laughs> hunt. So I was just I would be all like, this is not what I thought this was going to be. I'm piecing out right now. I'd just be like, did you, if you find random objects everywhere, they're probably for me. <laughs> <laughs> or I'd probably be so, like, lost and annoyed and stuff, I'd probably accidentally find the final clue, be like, yeah, here it is. <laughs> yeah, you'd here. be done with your section. I'd be all like, I just don't care, Joshua. Let's see. There's a reference to a map for the land of Ukbar, which is also from that story that doesn't exist. A figured. Yeah. <laughs> I originally had a theory that the the necklace was enabling her to see the code like it was some sort of, like... I wasn't even thinking, like, a magic spell or something, but maybe some sort of, like, oil or chemical coming off it or something was allowing her to see what Freddy couldn't. Um... But no, it's just magic. I was like, as, as, as soon as like, oh, there's a keyword. I'm like, oh, you should try that one that one that's on your necklace, Faith. Why don't you try that? <laughs> and they never do. And I was like, did they? And I just didn't miss. I just missed it. Though I did think like how funny it would be if the keyword was the example that was used in the book. <laughs> like, right. Like, try, try hotel. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't even think about the it could destroy winter house and it's like okay it's a remote hotel yeah everyone else will be fine i was like these stakes are so low just just close the hotel send everyone just home close. just tell them they can't have a full vacation this year crisis averted offer, <laughs> yeah offer some refunds like it'll be fine here go to our sister location spring shack if you see a faded sign at the side of the road that says 15 miles to the spring shack. <laughs> Tin roof duster, because that's an anagram for rusted. <laughs> Thanks, Freddie. Yeah. All right. So Christmas Eve comes and there's a party and everyone has a great time. The Himes act really nice and give Elizabeth a written invitation to their room for tea on December 26th. Yeah, no. After the party, Elizabeth insists that they go to the library, but Freddy just wants to go to bed. I am the Freddy in this situation. <laughs> he agrees to go only when Elizabeth says she wants to return the book. Uh, once they're in the library, though, Elizabeth get, begins acting obnoxiously out of character, and she runs around being annoying and even does the Grisella Bloody Mary chant. When she does, books fall over upstairs and red lights go flashing out the window. Understandably, the kids go running. Once they're safe, Freddy blows up at her for being a thoughtless, selfish idiot. So, like, being mad at her for being 11. Um, after that, Freddy avoids Elizabeth and rebuffs her attempts at apologizing. I started out on his side, and now I think he's just being a petty little bitch. So, Elizabeth mopes, and she has bad dreams about, like, an old lady in black that's trying to get her. And she works on her telekinesis, and she keeps up on the new letters revealing in the book. So she's got cool hobbies. F you, Freddy. Um, <laughs> and your stupid walnut shells. Yeah, good luck with that, loser. 
<laughs> Elizabeth also keeps up on her research of the Falls family, and um, she asks Leona about Grisella. Uh, Leona says that Grisella became jealous of Norbridge and got all mixed up in weird, dark witchcraft. She ran away at 18 and married an older man named Alistair Winters. So we've got Summers, Springer, Falls, and uh, Winters. Whoa, I didn't notice that. Did you notice that? Because I did, and I sighed heavily. So, um, <laughs> Leona directs Elizabeth to a huge personal account of Winterhouse written by Marshall Falls, which I think is like a cousin of Norbridge's or something. So Elizabeth gets reading, and she finds the section about Grisella. She was a crabby, unpleasant person who was given a private cabin to be alone and sort out her own crap, but she left at 18 anyway. <laughs> I thought that was super funny. Elizabeth also finds an account of the book, mostly telling us what we already know. But the Falls family always bring um, each new kid born into the family to the library in the hopes that the book will fall into their hands. Um, Selena Himes approaches Elizabeth while she's reading and asks if she's coming to the tea. Elizabeth finds herself agreeing. Rut-row. When Elizabeth checks in with Norbridge later, she doesn't mention this, which makes me want to rip out my hair. Instead, they talk about Norbridge's family tree. They talk about Grisella, and Elizabeth points out that um, Grisella doesn't have a death date, and he says he's been meaning to do that. Anyway, come see my telescope. <laughs> Up on... Well, he says it really loud, too, and I was like, is he saying that for someone? Is someone nearby? He's like, I need to get on that. And I'm like, you're weird. <laughs> like, even for, like, whimsical adult in a children's novel, weird. Um, up on the 13th floor, Elizabeth uh, looks at the grounds through the telescope and sees the statue of Norbridge's daughter, Winnie. Uh, he takes this oper- uh, Norbridge takes this opportunity to mention how much Elizabeth's aunt and uncle must be missing her, and he manages to miss the big glaring red flags that signal abuse uh, when Elizabeth explains her home life to him. Nice, nice work, Norbridge. Um, after getting weepy, Elizabeth spots the Himeses on a bridge and points them out. Norbridge tells her that uh, he's hashed out his differences with them, and they had him confused with another hotel owner. Yeah, all those hundreds of Norbridge Fallses. Um, anyway, Elizabeth still has her stupid tea to go to, so she tells the bellhop Samson to knock on the door at, a, at 425. Then she goes to meet the creeps. Their room appears to be normal, and they act pleasant until Elizabeth begins to hear a thumping noise in the other room. When she asks about it, they play dumb, like, oh, I don't hear anything. They begin to go back to normal, acting all intimidating as they ask Elizabeth to find a book for them. Just in time to save the day, Samson appears and Elizabeth uses this as an excuse to make her escape. Later, losers. Um, Elizabeth goes to Freddy and tells him to cut the shit and quit with a silent treatment. He agrees, but points out that he has his own interest and doesn't appreciate her railroading over him all the time. Okay, whatever. Friends again. They join a group for late night skiing, which sounds like a terrible idea. The kids fall behind the group and discover an old cabin. Elizabeth wants to explore it, and Freddy wants to ski with the others. This is why you'll never be the main character, Freddy. <laughs> Elizabeth leaves his sidekick ass to explore the cabin anyway. This really bodes well for their friendship. <laughs> and I cut it off there. Okay, so we haven't really talked that much about Norbridge's, uh, how he just like, kind of will become confused. Like, he'll just start talking and then kind of forget the words or trail off and stuff. And it's not, un- unless I'm totally missing something, it's not really addressed. I feel like it was Grisella's influence, honestly. Because that's why Elizabeth was acting the way she was. Yeah. Because she wouldn't normally, like, I'm like, I'm going to do the Bloody Mary yell while the other kid's like, why are you doing this? Yeah. You stop... So I think she was having an effect on her family. Okay. Or it's like uh, early onset Alzheimer's, and that becomes more <laughs> of a plot point in the second book. I don't know. Do you have one more section or two? One more. Okay, sure, go ahead. All right. So Elizabeth checks out the cabin, and she yells out Grisella's name despite poor Freddy's protests. Um, a red light emanates from the cabin, and the kids haul ass back to the hotel. For some reason, Norbridge is outside waiting for them, and when the kids tell him what happened, he brushes them off, saying it was the ski patrol. The kids know that's BS, and they notice that the red light retreated when they got when it got to the bridge, uh, like it's following headless horseman rules. 
Elizabeth is convinced she's woken Grisella Winters. Norbridge tells the kids they need to stay inside the hotel from now on and doesn't take any of the Grisella stuff seriously. It's pretty frustrating, but what's worse is Elizabeth goes back to her room and the book's gone. Elizabeth wants that book back, so she badges Freddy to let her use the skeleton key he randomly has in his workroom. I don't know why they left it in there. <laughs> I think actually that I think that was probably the best place to put it. Like, let's leave it with the person less interested in checking things out. He'll be safe here with this child with no curiosity. Um, <laughs> like scientific curiosity, but not like, you know. Right. Not, he's not snooping. Like, like if you gave me and you a ring of keys, we would have a ball. <laughs> what, are gonna, what are we gonna look at first? Um, when the Himeses uh, actually leave their room, Elizabeth lets herself in and has a look around. She doesn't find the book, but she finds the casket and something's moving inside and the feeling leads her over to a letter that's addressed to Selena Himes from a sender simply known as D. It's like, here's your mom's body. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> so Elizabeth tells Norbridge she saw the Himeses smuggle a puppy into the room, hoping that'll make him go check out their room since the truth hasn't been working. He does. And he's like, everything's fine. And when he tries to pull a coin out of her ear, Elizabeth's having none of it. She like snaps at him like that's just magic or something like that. And, um, I was thinking at the time, like, just slap it out of his hand, like the stupid coin. Just like, don't patronize me. <laughs> Which is what he's doing. Okay, um, later Elizabeth sees Marcus Himes carving something on the bridge, and Selena tries to intimidate Elizabeth into decoding the book or whatever. So they're both awful. Um, Elizabeth takes uh, one more crack at getting Norbridge to believe her, and this time she tells him the full truth about having the book. He tells her to stay in his office until he returns. Well, he doesn't return. Um, Elizabeth sits around for a bit, and then she pulls out her faith necklace. She gets her feeling and uses faith as the keyword to Nestor's code, and what do you know? It works. His instructions are that once you have the book in your hands, you say, I choose good, or I choose evil. And then I wrote, sigh. <laughs> I I'm sorry, it just it's so stupid. Yeah, um, it became way too binary there. Yeah. Then she finds a portrait of Norbridge's family and sees that his daughter Winnie is wearing the face necklace. Elizabeth realizes that she's Winnie's daughter. When I knew it, in the very chapter where she met Norbridge Falls, I was like, Oh, she's related to these people, isn't she? Anyway. So Elizabeth goes to the New Year's party, but Freddie tells her Norbridge hasn't made an appearance yet. Uh, so they figure, well, three guesses where he is, and they head to the library. Um, they see red light coming from the third floor of the library, and they think, uh-oh. But Norbridge needs help, so up they go and find, yeah, Grisella's back. Uh, she mostly villain snarls and tells us what we already know. Uh, I, I don't really understand her motivation other than her feeling that Norbridge was the favorite child. Like, how's that his fault? Shouldn't you have gotten revenge on your parents? You suck. Anyway, Selena is Grisella's daughter. When Elizabeth started having her feeling, Selena um, sensed it and was able to track her down. Uh, she and her husband paid off Aunt Purdy and Uncle Burlap, then uh, footed the bill for Elizabeth's stay at Winterhouse. So why was their plan to be deliberately creepy to her from the beginning so she wouldn't want to help them? None of this makes sense. Um, when Grisella is distracted by Norbridge regaining consciousness, Elizabeth uses her feeling to get hold of the book, and she yells, I choose the good. Then Grisella collapses dead. Okay. Um, we get a scene unpacking all of this, sort of. Um, Norbridge acknowledges that Elizabeth is his granddaughter. Uh, when Winnie left home, she changed her name, and she married Elizabeth's father. So who knows who the Summers dude is? Um, Elizabeth still has to go back to the Dursleys, but Norbridge promises to get the legalities ironed out so she can live with him at Winterhouse. The end, I guess. There's a sequel, though. <laughs> okay. Um, how do you feel about the presence of the whole magic stuff in this story? It's fine. Like, I kind of wish that it wasn't, or at least it was severely toned down. Um, like, I was okay with, like, like, little tiny stuff, but the whole, like, resurrection thing just was kind of weird to me. Okay, so I yeah. when they talk about how she left when she was 18 and no one's seen her since, no one even saw her leave, 
I was expecting it to be that she never actually left, and this whole time she has been, like, maybe, like, manipulating things behind the scenes. Like, maybe she, like, has, like, a hidden, like, hallways in inside the walls of the house or something like that. That would have been so cool. I thought that would have been, yeah. Yeah, I think I think maybe making it more grounded would have been more interesting to me instead of this weird, like, mustache-twirling pair of buffoons that are, like, we're going to, like, huh. bring my mother back from the dead. Like, that was just kind of odd. Yeah, I... Okay, this is how it could have worked. Like, I, if the Himeses had come forward and said, hey, we're lost members of your family, you know, like, whatever, and uh, I was like, we're going to... The spend Christmas with just for them to be a little bit more upfront and like more inviting at the beginning because they ultimately like brought her there because like she's gonna help us find the book. So, wouldn't you why wouldn't you try to be like friendly about it? It's just it was such a dumb plan and so half assed. And it's like you held on to your mom's body for seven years and this is the plan you concocted. This is really bad plan. <laughs> you had years to get this down to a science. And shouldn't you have, like, why are you bringing it on a bus? Shouldn't you have shipped it ahead of time or something? (laughs) And why are you making it look as caskety as possible? What is wrong with you guys? (laughs) You are the worst villains. Like, Boris and Natasha from, like, freaking Rocky and Bullwinkle are better villains than these people. They really suck at it. So that's why I was just, like, I would have liked this book more, except like those really ham-fisted dumb villains where I was just going, ugh. <laughs> it was just so kind of getting secondhand embarrassment. And then she shows up and she's like, I'm, I'm jealous of my brother. I'm like, you're like 80. Get over it. Like, <laughs> why? Why is this still upsetting you? So you're going to destroy this hotel? How are you doing that exactly when you're just sitting there going, yeah. She, it sucked. I was just like, I hate this now. Ugh. This could have been a four-star book if the villains hadn't been so crummy. Yeah. <laughs> Love the setting, though, but that can't carry the whole book. Yeah. I think the only other real note I have is uh, she's trying to plead with Norbridge to, you know, take her seriously and stuff. And he's basically trying to, like, placate her and everything. She actually does, like, interrupt him mid-sentence and is like, like, I, I I, need you to listen to, like, very clearly saying, you are not listening to me, I need you to listen to me, um, in a way that felt very, like, like, that kind of resonated with me in terms of, like, just feel like I'm being acknowledged as a human, you know? Like, it's like, just have some basic respect for me and trust that I have a brain behind this mouth. And I liked that, I liked that she was willing to, like, stop him and be like, no, 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 no. We need to do this my way right now. Even She if was it, really good yeah. at uh, advocating for herself. Yeah. Like, other kids, uh, you know, in books that we've read, I think would have been too, a lot of times they were too intimidated too, even if they would have been, well, I mean, not that Elizabeth wasn't, but even if they were completely in the right. They were still just like, oh, but they're they're an adult. I can't. Yeah. I want a crossover book where the Penderwicks stay at this hotel. And also no magic. And no magic. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm just picturing, like, Batty coming in being like, this is my friend Chrisella. She's going to be teaching me the dark arts. <laughs> and then, like, the first person to, like, get, like, sizzled with black magic that from Batty is Sky. You're always mean to me. I do Actually, I, really want I, that. I do love our imaginary crossovers because like oh since we don't we don't get any more adventures of the Penderwicks at that age, I do like just sticking them in all the other stories. Oh yeah. Yeah. Having them hang out with the kids from the small spaces books and I think that was the only other crossover we did. I think this one would suit them well. Yeah. Because it seems like a place that they're Maybe this, this is how they they spent their first Christmas as a whole, like, combined family. Oh, yeah. With the baby yeah. and everything, yeah. That would be and good. Then duck, duck. No, there's <laughs> no ducks in the pond. It's frozen over. <laughs> uh, okay. All right, so, three stars? Three stars. Yeah. Would you read the other two? 
kind of curious. Yeah. Like, it wasn't so much like a, okay, and screw this book, like how I felt about the Sisters Grimm. But I, I was just like, well, you know, this was the first book. Maybe there was just kind of like, uh, you know, kind of a hiccup or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, like, first books are always difficult. Like, or a, like first book in a series, you know, has a lot to try and do. But now I think we've got place and characters really set. Place and characters are so strong in this. Yeah. Like sometimes we've just we've had like really like cardboard characters, but I would not say that of the characters in this book, except the villains. But um, Freddie and um, Elizabeth are really solid characters that I was just like I wouldn't mind finding out what happens to them next. I liked them. Yeah. I didn't like the story of this, but that doesn't mean the story of the next one's going to be bad. I'd be curious. I mean, I loved Green Glass House, and I haven't read the sequel to that yet. Yeah. Because I'm kind of scared it won't be as good as yeah. Green Glass House was. And but I'm all... more willing to read the next one in this series, because it's like, oh, it's got to be better. <laughs> it's always dangerous <laughs> to, like, compare something to something that is so success well-regarded. You know, calling this the next, like, you know, for fans of Green ha- Glass ca- House, it's like, okay, but it's going to read more like a knockoff because you feel so strongly yeah. about that one. You should always compare it to something that is slightly worse than it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if someone's like, oh, I don't know which of these books to read, it's like, oh, are you really interested in reading Winter House? You should read Green Glass House instead. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. It's like, you'll have a better time. <laughs> Trust me. Uh. No, there's... uh. There, there were like good things about this book. It's not one of those where I was, was angry when I finished it. Yeah, but there I was, was some... kind of, I was kind of laughing through the villain reveal. There were some questionable decisions, especially towards the end. But I, it was not, it was not a fundamentally bad book. Choose the. <laughs> Sorry, that's so dumb. And he was like. Who's actually thinking, like, I'm evil? They're like, no, what I am is I'm justified in what I'm doing. Like, right. they're always, like, very earnest about what they are. That it might be, like, if you call things good or evil, it might be on the evil side, but they won't see it that way. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Your big thing is to come back from the dead to bring down a hotel. Like, what is your... <laughs> Just, I don't know, release, like, a bunch of cockroaches. Get a hobby. Or, Get a bunch of your fr- get a bunch of your friends to like put bad Yelp reviews. That's how you take down a hotel. You don't need to go back from that, right? Like, they they they, br- they break into their room and all they they have is like a bunch of like laptops and they're just like switching between them, fiercely writing one star reviews. One of those things that like just spoofs like I not spoofs like but just creates like different like IPs. So it's like a different IP address, so it doesn't seem like you're actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what you do. Or you spread a rumor that there's asbestos, you know, or you found like a fingernail in your flirtion. Like <laughs> that's how you bring it down. Just, what was she gonna do? Was she gonna set a fire, or was she just gonna be creepy until everyone leaves? <laughs> just, I didn't understand the plan. It was so dumb. Maybe it would have sold it better if everyone kind of acknowledged how dumb the villain's thing was. And and maybe if, like, the couple, her, like, daughter and, and her husband weren't, like, so creepy themselves. If they just seemed kind of bored and just like, okay, we're doing this. There were just some changes, like, notes I would have, there's, whatever, just, eh. I wanted this to be better. So, for next month, we are going to be reading The List of Things That Will Not Change by Rebecca Stead, which was suggested to us by a listener. So we're going to be checking that out for the start of 2022. Wow. Right? You know. I'm re- I'm really hoping for another, like, I, I really need another five-star to come around. I feel like, I feel it's like been it's... been a long time. It's been a while since we've had one that was, like, just, like, no-holds-barred, like, phenomenal. I know Wolf Hollow hit you harder than it hit me, but that was still pretty all right. And then for me, kind of the reverse was Clockwork, and that was a full year ago at this point. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had one where we're both like, this is phenomenal, smash it on the ground, I'll have another. <laughs> was it the thing about jellyfish? Uh, that we both said was five star, it would have been... Yeah. Or was it the girl who drank the moon? 
No, both of those were pretty early on. We had um we had pumpkin heads a bit later. Pumpkin heads was five. Ah, okay. uh, pumpkin heads is so good. It's so good. I read a book uh, recently that was illustrated, uh, a graphic novel that was illustrated by Faith uh, Aaron Hicks. Uh huh. And I was just all like, oh, there's just there's her artwork that I like so much. <laughs> she uh it she. Was- took over as the writer for the uh, Avatar The Last Airbender comics recently, so. Alright. Hello Fellow Kids is hosted by Mara and Josh, produced by Josh, music provided by Ben Ash. Visit him at benash.com if you'd like to contact us. We are on Twitter and Instagram at hfkpodcast, or you can just email us at hfkpodcast at gmail.com. We will be back at the start of next year with the list of things that will not change. Bye.